everybody. It's Wayne with Mark and Sierra and Areed, and we are so excited that you've come to watch the Eat Community Podcast. We know you're going to enjoy it. We actually did it live originally on our Eat Community webinar series, which we also invite you to come to, but you will love this podcast that you're going to be listening to right now. All right. Hey, everybody. Wayne here in northern Colorado. Lindsay in Wilmington, North Carolina. Here's a little quiz. If any of you regulars are on here, which one of our amazing speakers is also from Wilmington, North Carolina? It's somebody who spoke with us over 20 weeks and is just a great friend of uh, of each, and uh, if you get that right, we'll figure out some kind of a present for you. Anyway, welcome, Lindsay. How's your day going? It's a couple hours later there, so two o'clock in the afternoon. It is. No, I can't complain. It's a little bit warmer and rainy, but we've had some sunshine this week, so it's been a been a good week. Did you get really hit by a couple of storms that hit a little farther north, at least? Did you get hit by other than No, we're down in southeast eastern uh, North Carolina, almost to South Carolina. So we are just out of reach of most of those. So we got rain, but no snow, and it doesn't get too cold here at the beach. So that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. So on the 20th and 21st, or maybe 21st, 22nd, I remember, but my wife, flew into Charlotte and drove to Busby, South Carolina, um, oh, to pick up a puppy that we bought and, and then back to Charlotte to fly back here to Denver. So, again, well, congratulations. Right there on the border. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Well, this is going to be fun, everybody. I've actually had several people call me and talk to me already and say, man, I think I'm going to get excited about maybe using some of, of Lindsay's products through Plain Products. So um, that's pretty cool when you get that before we even have a webinar. So, Lindsay, I'm going to start out and just ask you a few just questions about yourself, and then and then we'll probably talk about some things that Mark or Ariba are scrolling through on your on the website, Facebook page, Instagram, whatever else that we put up there. Um, but let's just start out with uh, tell us about just sort of life to this point in your life in a five five minutes, seven minutes, whatever time frame. Just kind of what has brought you to where you're at today? Yeah, uh, I am probably a little different than your average entrepreneur. Um, my dad owned a ton of small businesses as I was growing up, but it, it wasn't something that I thought I wanted to do. I actually went into the nonprofit sector. So I um, went and got an MPA, a Master of Public Affairs, and actually worked for a community foundation in Boulder, Colorado uh, for five or six years, and then ended up moving to the Bahamas, where my husband is from. And really uh, working for some environmental nonprofits there. And at that point, my only real environmental experience was that I lived in Boulder, Colorado and knew what zero waste was because I'd been to the farmer's market. Um, but we lived there for a decade and um, I got to meet a lot of amazing scientists and really brilliant people. And I kept running into single-use plastic all over the place. Um, they don't have the same infrastructure that we have here in the States to make everything kind of disappear once we're done using it. So I started doing the things a lot of us do now, carrying the reusable water bottles and you know the reusable grocery bags, but I couldn't find a solution for all of those plastic bottles in my shower. Um, and we decided as a family, we have a son to move back to the US and I was ready to to take a break from fundraising and, and nonprofit events and thought, you know, if I have this problem, maybe other people are looking for a solution. Uh, so I called my sister and I said, hey, I think I'm going to start this business. You want to do it with me? She said, sure. We had really no idea uh, what we were getting into. And it took us about a year and a half from having that idea to actually launching a company in February 2017. Okay. Very cool. 
and yeah. funding friends and family, or did you get outside funding? No, no, we kept it all internal. We kept uh, friends and family just, you know, because we were kind of just trying to figure it out. So we started very small with a, you know, we actually ended up originally buying some bottles from China. We looked around in the U.S. and they said, great, how many truckloads of bottles do you want? <laughs> no, no, no truckloads. Like, I just, just want a few to try this out. Um, but as we grew, we've been able to ship everything to the U.S. And we just, you know, keep reinvesting in the business and buying buying more bottles each time and then being able to reuse the ones we have and, and just have grown that way. Awesome. Um, and so you started the business in 2017. We are now mm -hmm. in... 2021. Tell us yeah. about how things changed a year ago with the with the pandemic and how 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 either positive or negative was the pan has the pandemic been for your business? Yeah, I mean, I guess I should say a little bit more about the business. So we are are in the business of providing personal care items in aluminum bottles. So you order a product comes in a bottle, comes with a pump, put the pump on, use it. And then when you're running low, you order a refill or you subscribe and we send that refill out to you along with a return label. So you switch the pump over and then stick the empty bottle in that same box, stick the label on, we take it back, we clean, sterilize and store them. And then we, we send them back to be refilled. So for us, um, you know, the pandemic, we were already in the, in the delivery business. We actually grew last year. Um, we did have to take some precautions. We kept our warehouse team home for two months while we were kind of sorting it out. And um, my sister may have forced her children into servitude during that time to help us fulfill orders. But um, other than that, we have, you know, we had a few supply chain things. But other than that, we actually came through really well. And, you know, we're happy to be a business that can provide people products delivered right to their home. And how many SKUs, how many products about do you have? We have about, well, if, if you count scents, we have around 20 SKUs. We have shampoo, conditioner, body wash, body lotion, and three scents. Well, we just added an unscented line, so two scents and an unscented. We have a facial, face wash, face toner, face moisturizer, hair repair, beauty oil, hand sanitizer, hand wash. And then we also have some travel sizes of, of a few of those. So and obviously you've talked about what's uniquely different in a really great way, excuse me, about your, your bottling and delivery. Um, tell us about the products themselves. Are they unique? To you, um, proprietary? Did you use some other company's products as a guide, or, or, or what? Yeah, you know, um, we as we were getting into it uh, again, I did not have a personal care background, so it was a huge learning curve. Um, I had no idea how many chemicals were in your average mainstream product, and it seemed crazy to me to create this, you know, environmental packaging and then stick a bunch of chemicals in it. So I would say as long as we spent trying to figure out the bottles and the language, we spent just as much time trying to find a manufacturer that um, wasn't using a lot of chemicals, uh, had some natural-based products, and that was willing to let us um, reuse the bottles. So uh, we found a manufacturer that had a formula that we really liked, and we actually went and visited them and talked about our idea. And, know why we wanted to get into this sort of circular model and um, they supported us and were willing to let us try it so we have a great relationship with them they have been incredibly helpful I don't think we, we couldn't have done it without them I mean they have chemists on staff you know they do all of our testing as far as all the products go they do all the formulations and they have just been key in doing this and and have allowed us to focus on the the distribution and then creating that system of bringing the bottles back and reusing them. So yeah, it's a it's a private labeling situation with them. And in a private labeling situation, are these products proprietary or or unique to you, or would this manufacturer be selling essentially the same product but with different bottling to other 
uh, places your person might buy them. And I'm obviously not going to ask about whatever those details are. But, yeah, no, no. Are, are, are um, you, you have unique products? They have a unique product and they do have some similars, but for very, um, they work with a few different resorts. So it's not a, a mass market that they do. They have a small, this is one of the things that they do. It's not their main thing. And they do provide it to some resorts, but we're their only sort of mass market brand. And it is proprietary. It's a certain aloe based. All of the products are aloe-based, so instead of the main ingredient being water, it's actually organic aloe, um, and it makes for a really thick, um, effective product. And we actually chose to put really small pumps on the bottles so that you don't get more than you need. I mean, you really don't need much. It's very concentrated. And instead of having that experience where you sort of dump the bottle upside down and squeeze and end up with, like, you know, a gallon in your hand, you just put a few pumps and, and we have people that are, you know, these bottles are lasting them six months or more. Um, if they're, they're disciplined yeah. how they're using it. So, you know, again, we did not go the traditional business route of, you know, trying to make sure they go through it as quickly as possible. We really are interested in helping people just have less waste. Um, you know, we also reuse our boxes. We use paper tape. I mean, we try and make, you know, all the all the choices throughout all the steps of our business um, as far as less waste, more sustainable, more reuse. About how long on average will a single bottle last? So will it, will it be coming back to you five times or coming back to you 10 or in what range? We are, you know what, we're, we're still finding out. Um, so the first set of bottles that we actually got from China were not great. We used them two or three times and, and they started to show a little too much wear and tear. With, since we've switched over to a U.S. manufacturer last year, these bottles are holding up much better. So, um, we're actually only on our second round with those. So that remains to be seen. Um, there is a group that we work with called Loop. It's a uh, created by TerraCycle, and it's also working on Circular, and they did a ton of work and research, and they said the bottle really needs to make it three times to um, sort of meet um, basic sustainability goals, life cycle goals, and then anything above that is is such a win. So that's our goal is three, but I, I would guess it would be around five, but, but that remains to be seen. We're still working on it. What percentage of people are just idiots and abuse the bottles and send you back crushed <laughs> bottles or damaged bottles? You know, um, things happen in the world. It does look like maybe occasionally a mail truck may have a run-in with a bottle. Um, we actually don't track all of our bottles individually. So we send them out to the world and then, you know, we just hope that people are excited about the model and send it back. And we have about a 75% return rate. And of those, 80 to 85% um, are able to be reused. Because they're aluminum, um, we have to put a liner in them to keep the aluminum from leaching into the products. So if there's, if it's too dented or anything that we were worried might compromise that, that liner, we just go ahead and recycle the bottles. And luckily, you know, aluminum is 100% recyclable and it can just keep keep being reused, you know, they melt it down and they just turn it into more bottles. Whereas plastic, right. um, you know, is the bonds break down when you heat it up and reuse it. So really it can only be reused once, maybe twice before it ends up in a landfill anyway. So we're at least excited that even when the bottles are recycled, they can just, you know, be turned into more bottles. There's a great market for recycled aluminum right now. And, and it's very clear because just, Really, you've been talking about it so much that your real care and concern here is is for recyclability. But as I sit and think about it, what a great way to improve your percentage of return customers over a competitor <laughs> who are clearly, they're either buying it off the shelves in a store, they're using it and throwing the bottle away, or mm -hmm. they're buying it through some online acquisition approach, right? And then it's getting delivered. Same thing, though. They use it up, and, and they've got to then, at that point, buy. 
not very many places are subscription, are they, that, that sell um, these kinds of products? I mean, I, I, I know of one only because I've done some consulting for them and I know them really well. Um, they don't have this reusable bottle situation that you do. But Amway obviously has, I would guess, the vast majority of their customer base for their, their products their, that would be competitive with yours. Are repeat customers. You know, they have they have what they call ditto orders that they do month after month after month. But I would assume that that returning would actually help your return customer percentage. Um, right. Yeah, I would say that that our you know average customer lifetime value is is really high. Uh, you know, this is again a blessing and a curse of, of my late entry to the business world, I'm constantly asking questions and learning. Um, you know, when I have talked to other people who do this, have been doing this longer than I am, they're thrilled when they look at our numbers. I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's amazing. Your, your retention's amazing. Your churn is so low. I'm still learning what all those words mean. But yes, um, I do think that that circular model does keep people engaged. I think they're excited to play a role in having a smaller footprint and excited to, you know, be a part of that reuse cycle. And it does keep people coming back. And, and the products are actually pretty good too. That helps. Tell you us know, about, it's only... um, and, and tell us about uh, your, your marketing. So how are you getting the word out and, and how has that changed, let's say since 2017? Um, well, you know, as a, the internet is a noisy, crowded place these days. So using my kind of background, I guess, in the nonprofit world, we really went for a lot of partnerships. So we reached out to a lot of bloggers in the zero waste, green beauty, vegan, the products are vegan spaces, and just tried to work with them, offering products, um, doing podcasts, talking to people. And, and that has really worked for us. I think being a mission-based company, I think people have really responded to that. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy talking about the mission and trying to encourage sort of conscious consumerism and, and encouraging people just to think about what they're buying and whether or not they buy shampoo from us is, is great, but I'm happy just to get to have these conversations and help kind of raise awareness in general. And I think people have really responded to that that we're just not in the business just to sell stuff just to sell it um you know that we want to try and, and engage people in in reducing their footprint it's probably difficult and you can certainly correct me if i'm wrong to patent or to get some kind of pr protection with recyclable bottles you know, Maybe that, wrong. You have. it is not. I mean, you can't patent um, sticking bottles in a dishwasher, it turns out. But you know what? We actually aren't interested in that. I feel that the more people that sort of start looking at this model, the more credibility it gives the model in general. And, you know, for honestly, in a mission based company, we want to see more people doing it. We want to see less plastic, it's better for the planet. Um, better for climate change, you know, for all of us to start moving away from disposability. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, 50 years, that there weren't disposable things and we managed okay. So while plastic is absolutely essential for so many, you know, medical, it's great for if you really need something to last 20 years, it just doesn't make a ton of sense for stuff that we use once and throw away because it's around for for hundreds of years. So we're excited and, and we are seeing a lot of other people sort of start to switch over to these these types of bottles. That's what my next question was going to be. Are you seeing that? And uh, um, so that you, you are seeing that happen. We are seeing um, it. I, you're seeing it mostly in smaller brands. I mean, it's a lot easier for a newer brand like us or a smaller brand to switch over. When you look at these huge companies, you know, I mean, it, it's like turning a, a big ship. You know, it takes I was at a, I was actually at a packaging conference and they were talking about like two year lead times for their packaging. And I was like, two years, like it was two years. Um, but that's, you know, the reality a lot of them are facing. So there are some larger brands that are experimenting with some pilot versions. 
of a few of their products in reusable containers. Um, that's where Loop, who I mentioned earlier, comes in. They're, they're sort of providing some expertise and some um, strategy around these larger companies, Haagen-Dazs, P&G, Unilever, experimenting with some reusable containers. Tell us about the genesis of the name, Plain Products. Uh, <laughs> naming companies is never easy, and you always think, oh, I should I done something different or whatever. So, um, yeah, I mentioned earlier that I called my sister. Um, our shared maiden name is Della Plain. So uh, that's kind of where the plane comes from. But also we were sort of, you know, trying to play on this idea of, of plain and simple, going back to a simpler time when people reuse stuff. And then we also wanted a name that didn't hem us in. So, you know, the beauty of this type of container and that we're, we're really in this kind of distribution process leaves us open to a wide variety of products. So we started in the bathroom, you know, I'm not entirely sure where we'll end up, but we didn't want to be, you know, uh, pigeonholed by our name. So we wanted to pick something that, that gave us some room to grow. So on that, in that light, next question related similarly, tell us where, if you if everything worked the way you'd like, um, where would you be? You and your sister be with the business five years from now? Hmm. Um, five years from now, that's a great question. Um, I would hope that you know we've doubled every every year thus far. Actually, we did five five times as much the second year and then doubled since then. Um, I would hope that demand continues to increase, not only for our products, but for these type of products where people, you know, are stepping away from that disposability and uh, filling their trash can. I do think that the pandemic and everybody being home has helped people appreciate how much trash they actually generate when they're home all day, all week, and not, you know, out uh, as much. So I think people are starting to rethink things a little bit. I think a lot of the news um, about, you know, I, I think we're seeing for the first time some action on climate change um, at, at higher political levels, which is exciting. And people are, are starting to realize that we can't just keep doing the same old, same old things. So, you know, my dream would really be to have center an operation like ours in different parts of the country so that we're not shipping stuff around so much, you know, manufacturing places and bottle washing places in different parts of the country in kind of more of a hub situation to cut down on the, the carbon and the shipping um, and, you know, uh, pr providing all sorts of things. Uh, eventually maybe working with some other manufacturers, you know, I think, I think the sky's the limit, honestly. Lindsay, how, um, how much incrementally does the addition of washing, cleaning, refilling add to your cost compared to if all you were was a traditional use it once um, well, plastic interesting bottle? Interesting. I mean, so we pay a lot more for our bottles initially than um, obviously a plastic bottle. I mean, you know, plastic is a byproduct of, of oil, so they're practically given the stuff away. I mean, they want something to use to do with it. Um, so we're, our, our initial cost is a lot higher. And because of that, the value, the bottle is valuable to us. So washing it is really not that big of a deal. We're only talking about some, some man hours and some water. The higher cost is the shipping, which is why I, I mentioned the hubs. I mean, you know, moving them around the country, they're obviously a lot easier to ship once they're empty, they're a lot lighter. But the, the shipping is trickier than, than the man hours or the actual cost of washing them. And when you add all that together, pick a product line. Um, by the way, mm -hmm. there's a question already. One of our audience says, I'm going to want to, I'm going to use your product. Which, um, which scent of the shampoo conditioner do you like best? And that, so answer that, but that leads into this next, which is, um, if you take the shampoo, let's say, or conditioner, and compare it to 
competitor's price, where are you at? And, and associated with that, you know, where would you be in for your, 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 your gross profit margin? So what is your price to produce compared to what the competition is at for, again, that same similar product? So start with the scent to ask the, okay. the question and then. I'll try and keep track of all of that, but you can remind me if I, if I get off topic. So um, right now we have a rosemary mint vanilla, which is what we launched with, which is my personal favorite. We added a citrus lavender option, which is my sister's personal favorite. So I have to give that props. And then we just added an unscented line. So we only use essential oils. We don't use fragrance which I learned in the personal care industry can hide numerous sins. Um, at some point they lobbied to not have to say what they were putting in as fragrance. So they could just use that term. And so you don't know what's in there. So we made the choice to use essential oils and be transparent about that. But we learned that that still doesn't work for some people. So we put out a version of our products without any, any scent whatsoever. So, as I said, my personal favorite, the rosemary mint vanilla, but um, my sister would have answered citrus lavender, so I should do that for her. Um, I think your next question was, where do we come in price point wise? If you look at um, organic, natural, chemical-free shampoos, they are on average a dollar to two dollars an ounce um, in that range. And so we are, uh, about a dollar and a half, a uh, dollar sixty an ounce. So we're we're somewhere in that range. Um, I can't speak to the cost of other companies. Again, you know, have this sort of being my first foray into the personal care world. I don't have that same experience. I think our margins are set up around where most business margins are. Um, and as I said, our the main thing that we struggle with is shipping. Amazon has ruined, um, you know the world for shipping costs. So we have to eat most of that cost and we have to build that in. If if we were able to grow to the point where we had that hub situation, you know, our pricing could look a lot different. But right now we really have to make sure that we have built in enough that we can, you know, we're not losing our shirts on moving those bottles around. We're great. Uh, we're based in Cincinnati, Ohio, which is a great place to be for sort of the, the Northeast, Southeast. You know, it's, it's getting to California sometimes that, that gets a little dicey. But um, so, but I, we're competitive. Are we ever going to be competitive with a you know four dollar bottle of Suave plastic bottle with mostly water and some chemicals? No, I mean it's never going to be there. But if you look at other products with great ingredients that aren't mostly water, you know we are we are comparable. You're there. And then I think on the cost side you were answering it, but let's just be more specific. Compared to, again, another high-ender, so who you're really competing with, not Suave, but water or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. You think your cost overall, your cost side, is higher than them because of the, the, the shipping costs, so on? Or are you still in the ballpark with them? Um, really, are your margins, are your gross margins less? Um, I think it is probably pretty similar. I mean, again, being a small brand, we have such a different operation than a huge brand. Um, but yeah, I mean, we are, we are, we are turning a profit and we have been, um, since the end of year one. Cool. All right. Now a little, a few more, a little more historic kind of personal questions. Start with a fun one. Everybody kind of all, you're, I guarantee you're going to have to think about this a little bit. Over okay. the last year or so, six months to a year, tell us about a tool you have used in your business. So it could be an internet tool. It could be a personal tool in your home. It could be something you're using in your manufacturing. It's different, but that other people could get some value from. And again, remember our audience here are ecopreneurs. They're economic people. So a lot of the questions I ask is to give them thoughts about how they might do what you're doing in in their business. And and I'm going to say the reason I asked that question about five years, is that's a good mm -hmm. business planning time. 
But I really strongly believe in something a mentor taught me many years ago, and it's out there still, is that we are all going to be the people we are five years from now based on who we're around today. Or you can take it the other way, but you can look backwards and you can see that if you look back five years in your life and you look who are the people you were spending most of your time with then, that's probably a lot of what you're like today. So five years is a really good time frame to think about it. But that, back to my, my question, which was, um, you know, more on the, again, the manufacturing side and compared to other, other really nice brands. Um, well, I think you were asking what tools we use, and we, right. even right. before the pandemic, um, we were a, a distributed team, so we have a lot of people um, that work from home. So the, the warehouse team is different. I mean, they're obviously all in Cincinnati, but the team that I manage, you know, sort of social media, marketing, financial, the website-based is all distributed. So um, two things have, have made that possible. We use Help Scout, which is a customer service tool that we can all log into from different places and move stuff around and see each other's notes. Oh, and then we started, okay. Yeah, we, and then we started using Slack as well, which has been helpful for kind of just informally staying in touch and, again, you know, uh, making sure that, that everybody's pointed in the right direction. And I will say having a flexible work schedule, be letting people work from home. We have gotten access to some great talent that we couldn't have afforded any other way um, because I was like, sure, if you want to work at 2 a.m., work at 2 a.m. Um, you know, just get me what I need when you said you do it. Uh, so we have been able to get some great, honestly, moms who were looking for flexible schedules, and we've been able to hang on to people throughout the pandemic, even as, you know, things have changed in their life by by continuing that flexibility and, and understanding. Cool. So help scout everybody and quack. Slack. Um, Slack. Slack. Yep. Oh, clack. See, I hadn't heard of C L A C K. Is that right? S L A C K. Oh, Slack. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think everybody's heard of Slack. A lot of people have heard of Slack. All right. Got it. I wasn't, wasn't following. Slack is a really great project management tool. Um, how big is your email list? About, uh, about 20,000. 20, and how often do you mail to them? Uh, we have a goal of not mailing too much. So we try and only do twice a month. Um, I, we have a lot of our marketing tools based on what annoys me personally. <laughs> so... Um, we do a new monthly newsletter, and then we usually do one other email just sort of with, uh, you know, a, a sale or a highlight on something that's going on at some other point in the month. But we do not, we're not super aggressive marketers in that way. We also have chosen not to do retargeting. Um, so that's, I guess, where, the, where they, they kind of follow you around. Like if they, you went to a site, then all of a sudden your ads show up on Facebook or show up in other places, and we, we've chosen not to do that. So we, we try and spend our money just so that if people want to find us, they can find us, but we try not to hunt people down. And, and the reason for that question was maybe just to give you a little bit of, of our bat, what we've done, and we've, we have a, our list is about 30,000, so it's very similar to your list size. We mail more. We probably mail three times a week because we're always advertising webinars. And and we have new webinars all the time and new people. Um, we get really good open rates, um, never less than 10 and can be higher. But we went from using an internet provider, Infusionsoft, really early on, to then moving to using a variety of them. And we've now settled on what we use for everything we do online, including creating new product new web pages, new everything, which is Kajabi. And we okay. we got in as a founder. And so because of that, we probably get a lot lower rates than people that buy into Kajabi today. But I can send 5 million emails a month and not be charged additionally for them, which is That's pretty amazing. Great. So. That's great to know. I mean, we, we've been using MailChimp, but um, 
we've had some issues. So we are, we're always on the hunt for some other options. So that, that's good to know. Yeah, maybe think about that Kajabi, and we'll talk about it later another okay. time. And, and our audience knows this. They, they know that that's what we use. Um, who, um, who would you say, other than your parents, really had an influence on you in your life up till college? So by, from birth through high school, other than your parents. And it can be a, a generic person or a specific name and what what their role was um uh i was very lucky to have some great teachers along the way um i always really loved school i had a so that was important to me and then i was very close with my grandmother um on my mom's side who also was was very influential cool how about today who is being a big influence on you in a positive way? Um, well, I would say, first of all, right out of, of college, I was super lucky to get a great job at the Community Foundation in Boulder. And my first boss, uh, Josie Heath, was amazing and taught me so many things that I'm still I'm still figuring out all the things that she taught me. I'm still realizing how much I was shaped by that experience. So I felt very lucky to to really have a great formative, you know, first career job and try very hard to live up to that for people that, that we bring on. Um, and today, man, there's so many great entrepreneurs out there that are doing really interesting things. I love watching all of the other sustainable businesses that are springing up and we're constantly learning from them and talking to them. Um, and also some of the nonprofits too. Um, we just had a great conversation with a nonprofit called Upstream that's working on plastic pollution policy. And we're gonna try and do some creative stuff with them this year. So I really enjoy, you know, partnerships, creative people, and trying to figure out how to work together. I I I believe that you know you can have speak with a much louder megaphone if if there's a few people holding it. So we again probably strangely work with a lot of our competitors um you know in this space i sort of see it as we're trying to drag more people over to the sustainable side so on the sustainable side we're all on the same team right now um so we do a lot of cross promotion and and work with other uh, other small businesses in our arena um what is something you've read in the last year that you would highly recommend. And you don't have to think about that long because if it comes to the top of your head, it's always really gonna be something good. And it could be yeah. a book, it could be a website, it could be a journal, it could you name it, that I, our, our, our viewership would like. I am a huge reader. And um, that is what I did during quarantine. So I read like, like 80 books last year. <laughs> so that's what I had to think for a second. I don't know if it was last year, but I read Essentialism. I really liked uh, just sort of about, you know, boiling everything down to, to just doing the important stuff. And one of the best business books that I read is was called, I think it's called Minimally Viable Product. And it's, uh, it talks a lot about, you know, not waiting for perfection, but when you have something that is good enough, getting it out into the world and then getting feedback and learning from that. And that's something that I really think we did um, you know, we launched with free products and then learned a ton. Uh, you know, we did the website several times, added more products, redid the bottles, you know, just it was but it was good enough. You know, it was a good product to get out into the world. It wasn't um, it worked well. But, you know, my sister, as she said, would have never launched and, and I would have launched too soon, probably with not a great product without her holding me back. So I think the, you know, learning that, that minimal, you know, viable product idea to me is, is really a fascinating one of just getting something into the world, testing out your idea, and then trying to learn and, and improve upon it as you grow. I, you may have addressed this, but a question from our audience. Uh, first, she said, awesome idea. I'm sure that means your business. And then <laughs> have you considered using reusable shipping packaging? 
maybe you maybe you address that maybe you no i haven't i don't think i talked about that so right now we are using recycled cardboard boxes um and we have designed them so we don't have to have any fill or any of those little amazon plastic pillows in them they just everything fits in and we've kind of got a little cardboard thing that fits around it um and we're able to reuse those boxes a few times we have looked at some of the other reusable um, shipping things out there, Lime Loop and, and some of the others, and they work really well for like clothing or other things, but because we're so invested in these bottles, we really need them to be protected. Um, so we have to use extra thick cardboard and a little extra padding. Um, so it has to be something very, very specific, which takes us out of the running for a lot of the reusable packaging that's out there right now. But we are, we are, you know, always kind of keeping an eye out and, and having those conversations as we go. If something great comes up, we'll, we'll definitely, you know, hop on board. But that this is the best solution we found thus far. So on a personal level, you talked about how, you know, people are more aware probably that their garbage, what their garbage is during the pandemic. I think you're right. I live on a farm and a ranch, and we don't have a trash can. We have a we, we have a big dumpster <laughs> because we we have a lot of things that we deal with. So I can't relate specific, but we started using one of the home food delivery companies. I won't mention the name, but during the pandemic, and they send us their food in a a, a cardboard box with a inner. Um, some kind of a, a you know a insulation and then a uh, an ice pot an ice pad and, and and we've actually kept those and and you know we we we'd, we'd fill up a freezer quickly <laughs> we kept all of them but we have to still deal with the cardboard box and that insulative material which I'm not sure what it is I hope it's recyclable but still landfill volume will continue to go up with those kinds of things. So I just generally, I hope that we, over time, we all begin to think more about delivery packaging, just like you're really thinking about um, the product packaging itself. And we really need to get something better that way. Yeah, I think so. And I think that, you know, a, a huge part of it too comes from consumer pushback. I mean, we get a, a produce box here in North Carolina delivered to our house. And at one point they like dropped off bananas in a plastic bag. And I was like, hey, bananas come in their own great wrapping. You don't need to put my bananas in a plastic bag. Like they're gonna be, they're gonna be just fine. Um, and they, I, I don't know if they just stopped doing it for me, but they, they stopped doing it. Um, and they, you know, start using little like kind of those those compostable green containers for a lot of the different fruits in the box. So I do think, you know, sometimes it just doesn't occur to people. Plastic is so ubiquitous in our society that you don't until you see it, you don't see it. So sometimes it just takes a little poke and 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 some creativity. Um, but you know, again, you know, we've been sort of like convinced that everything should come in a plastic bag for. For safety reasons and a lot of times that's that's not you know oranges don't need to come in a plastic they, they have a, they have something that you peel off so there's a lot of a lot of times and places where it's it's just unnecessary and I think you know if we can start to step away from that um, and I know I think some of those those delivery surfaces have started to look at it I know I've seen some commercials of, of where they've said you know reusable packaging or we're switching over because Somebody gave me one and I opened it up and I was like, oh, it's full of plastic bags. Um, it was like everything was in all of these little tiny, tiny plastic bags, which I mean, I will be totally, I mean, we are, we are far from perfect. I mean, I, you know, my son is going to a soccer game and forgets his water bottle. Like we stop and get a Gatorade. It's not like I live this amazing life at all, but when I can, I try to avoid it. Um, you're, or, you're trying very hard. I mean, that's I'm a really good thing. That, you know, that's all we can do. That's all we can all do. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned this also, so I'm going to ask you what your recommendation here is, because I know our audience will enjoy it. Uh, podcast that you, um, you, uh, I'm assuming you, you try to get on podcast. You and your other principals and leaders. What would be a, a podcast 
you'd highly recommend to our audience to listen to that is one that's out there that you like um along these lines um upstream the group that i mentioned earlier has a podcast called indisposable and they talk to a lot of people about solutions which i really enjoy as opposed to um you know just continuing to point out the problems um there's also a great how to save the planet podcast that started last year um that again is you know talks about the problems but also talks about solutions and is is not just, you know, I, I really believe that it is easy to get overwhelmed and frozen into inactivity with a lot of these issues. And so it's important to, you know, like if you're trying to reduce plastic in your life, like pick one thing and try it. Don't, don't try and do it all at once, you know, pick something and start carrying bags to the grocery store, or start carrying a reusable water bottle or, or you know, the next time you buy eggs, get them in a paper carton instead of a plastic or styrofoam carton. You know, small, small steps. We talk a lot about progress, not perfection. Um, and so I really enjoy those podcasts that are sort of focused on solutions, good things, how we can continue to push those things forward instead of, you know, why, <laughs> why it's a mess and why we're all doomed. Um, so, yeah, Indisposable and How to Save a Planet are probably my two favorites right now. Awesome. By the way, um, he's a, a friend of mine, so I, I, I have the, the, the permission to, to steal from him. A lot of these unique questions that I ask come from John Lee Dumas, who has um, a daily podcast called Entrepreneur on Fire, and our audience has heard me talk about it. But a lot of the questions that I'll ask that sometimes seem a little unusual come from John and what he asks and he does almost the same thing on every entrepreneur on fire. Here's one that is a little tough. This is the, the toughest question of the day. Um, tell us about an event that occurred in your life that at the time, and you can be very generic or you can be very specific, by the way, about this. At the time, it seemed horrible. I mean, it just was awful. But now when you look back at it, it actually it actually created something that, that, that was really good in, in the future after it. So as we were getting started, I mentioned that we uh, were buying bottles from China. We actually bought a set of stainless steel mason jars the first time around and got them and put product in them. And then they rested almost immediately. And it turned out that not all stainless steel is created equal. And we did not buy food grade stainless steel, which we did not realize. And then it turned out to your price point question that we could not afford to see, uh, food grade stainless steel. <laughs> so um, that was a very dark time. Um, and you know, we really had to say, okay, we just invested some money and uh, we blew it and this is not gonna work. Are we gonna put some more in and try a different kind of container? Are we gonna give up? What are we gonna do? Um, and we, uh, put more money in and bought aluminum bottles and tried again, and it worked. Um, but it, it was, it, you know, it was, it was some dark days. And uh, it was good to have a partner in that because we kind of took turns picking each other up. Um, but, you know, I think it gave us uh, an understanding of the importance of resilience. And as we have hit other roadblocks along the way, Kind of knowing that we got through that, I think, has helped us give us the confidence to solve the next problem and keep going. Very cool. Um, we've got about 10 minutes left, and I want the audience to please put your fingers to work and type in some questions. Or if you want to raise your hand, which you can do in the little box also, we can unmute you and allow you to talk and ask your question directly to Lindsay. Lindsay, I'm going to make a little bit of apology. This doesn't happen too often, but at right at one, my time, I have a, another very important business call that was scheduled after we scheduled this, and I can't delay it. Nope. I'm going to ask Sierra. Mark, would you please? Sierra's one of our staff and amazing. She may have even helped you get, get coordinated for the webinar. Sierra, could, could you open up and turn your webcam on? And then at the very end, so eight or nine minutes from now, if you could handle questions before we finish, that would be awesome. And Mark, if you could help do that, that'd be great. 
Um, Lindsay, um, tell us about how, and again, it sounds like you have a very family-oriented business, but yeah. how, um, how is your family looking at you now as an entrepreneur? And that's <laughs> kids, husband, you know, your sister's obviously your partner. And how yeah. has that changed from the previous Lindsay, the nonprofit lady? Oh, you know, um, I have always really loved working. <laughs> so even when I was a nonprofit, I, I, I'm a bit of a productivity junkie. So I um, have always worked a lot. So I don't know that it is that different, but it, it, it is strange um, for them to hear me talk, I guess, more about the business side, the profit side, the financial side. I think, um, as I said, my dad had a lot of small businesses. So I think it's been very fun. Um, he unfortunately passed away, but for his parents and brothers and sisters to see us kind of now following in his footsteps and doing that. Um, and I think it's also given my son and, and my niece and nephew that same gift that he gave us of like, we could start a business. Like they did it. Um, you know, it's not scary. It's not that hard. Um, my son has constant business ideas of things he's going to do. They have zero interest in doing this. They're going to be doing their own thing, which I think is great. Which I think is totally great. But I think that is a real gift to give to them of, you know, yeah, you just start a business, you just solve a problem and then you just go. Um, so I'm proud of that. Awesome. Um, one last one for me, and then I'm going to let Sierra, you be thinking about a question or two, and everybody else, uh, please type in your question. <laughs> um, so this, is, this will be my last, and it, it again, um, a little bit relates to what we were talking about a lot early on in the call. And this is a fun one, funny one, fun one. When are you moving back to Boulder or Colorado? <laughs> I, need, I, I want you to be my neighbor. You know, I, again, I'm in, I'm in birth at address, but kind of halfway in between Loveland and Longmont, but clearly close to birth. I loved my time in Colorado. I'm actually hoping, I was supposed to get my son out there to do a backpacking course last summer, and it was unfortunately canceled, but, you know, ulterior motives of, for me to go spend two weeks in Colorado while he does it. So I'm hoping to be out there this summer. Um, as I said, my husband's from the Bahamas, so North Carolina is is, is far as I could get him into the U.S. He he cannot be that far away from an ocean, so that's that's why we're on the coast. He's a sailor, but um, I absolutely love Colorado. Would love an excuse to spend more time out there. And this is my last comment, not a question, but there are I can think of ten people right now that have either been speakers for each, and we've had multiple hundreds of those now, or that are members who would be very interested in, in your mission and potentially helping you in your, uh, in your business. And I'm going to get her first name wrong as I say this, but I know her last name is O'Brien. She's actually considered sort of to be the, um, the Aaron Brockovich of, of um, water, uh, and foods, excuse me, of foods. And she has a huge presence um, based in Boulder. And I, gosh, I can't think of her first name, but has had, you know, YouTubes that have gone, videos that have gone viral. She would love to hear more about what you're doing. And I'll, I'll, I'll figure out how to make an introduction there. So I'm going to stop there. Know, I'm actually going to, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I would appreciate it. Thank you. I'm always, I love yeah. connections. Love, love talking to interesting people. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to turn my webcam off. I'm still going to be listening in the background. Sierra, you go ahead and ask your questions. And audience, please put some more of yours in. And I just want to say, Lindsay, thanks so much. Um, boy, great, great business, great mission, and great message. And we really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. This was fun. I appreciate it. See you, Wayne. So, Lindsay, um, I've, while we were talking here, that was me that asked the question about your favorite scent. I went ahead and bought the shampoo and conditioner. <laughs> Um, I, for so long, I tried out shampoo bars and conditioner bars because I loved the zero waste thought process behind it all. With really long hair, my hair just ended up really dry, a ton of residue, not very manageable. Um, so I, after this, I was like, I'm trying it out. <laughs> I appreciate it. Let me know how it goes. But I hear you. I mean, that's actually how we ended up starting this was yeah. I, I tried like everything 
and I'm not like a super producty person. That's my sister. Um, I was like, man, if this isn't working for me, like I have a low bar. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So I hope you like it for sure. Let me know. I will. Cool. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, which kind of led me to another question for you. I know you said that you guys might step out of the bathroom products as you move forward, but for now, are, are there any products that you would highly recommend that, you know, maybe are refillable cleaning products or anything like that, that you kind of like a company that you stand behind? Yeah, there are some great other companies out there. Um, Drops is doing really good stuff with laundry detergent. Drops with two Ps, laundry detergent and dishwasher. They they send it again in a cardboard box and it's just little, well, there's all the tablets. So no no big bottles of stuff. Um, in the cleaning department, there's so many companies that's just exploding. I mean, you've got Blue Land, and Truman's, and, and Clean Cult, all that are doing variations on refillable options which are super cool um you know we were talking earlier about the price point issue our products are so high quality that it kind of make we can get away with charging more for them mm -hmm. but we couldn't charge what we were charging for like dish detergent um okay so blue land and truman's and some others are using like tablets and you add water and and i think that's a brilliant solution for for that kind of cleaning stuff I mean, our stuff, like I said, is aloe-based, so it's, it's it's better than just adding water to something. But for, you know, for like a tab and some water, it makes tons of sense as far as getting rid of plastic and, and being able to reuse bottles. So it's fun to see other innovations out there and to see what people are people are doing. And I love I love trying them all out. So uh, we have way too many cleaning products in my house right now. My, my husband has put the kibosh on me. Um, trying out other, other cleaning. <laughs> yeah, I'm slowly but surely trying to, so what, well, one of the things I did for 2021 was I decided that I was going to take more of a green journey. So I've been trying to rid my house of all of my plastic supplied items. Um, and then you mentioned the, the uh, laundry stuff. So I actually transferred over to these. I'll be using these for the first time. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to hear your recommendations about that. Maybe I'll check out some cleaning supplies. That's kind of my last thing on the list is to take care of dish soap and then household cleaners, and then I'll probably be transferred over. <laughs> Congratulations. That is, that's awesome. I mean, like I said, I think people can feel overwhelmed. Oh, and gosh. Kind yeah. of into inaction, but that's so great that you've just been taking it one, one bite at a time. I think that's the best way to do it. Well, I felt guilty for, you know, throwing things out because it's wasteful. So I'm like, I'm going to use up everything. And then as I get rid of it, I'll just replenish it with something more eco-friendly. Yeah, no, it doesn't help anybody to chuck something half used. I mean, you might as yeah. well at least give it that. If it's single use, give it at least that one use. Give it the, you know, give it that full, full thing. So I think that that's, that is smart. I was really excited about getting a, a safety razor. Like they have the new stainless steel razors and you just use a razor blade in it and they last forever. Um, but my mom, even as an adult, continues to give us stocking stuff and had given me like a disposable, like reusable razor blades for all these years. And so I have like a lifetime supply of, of refills. So I'm like trying desperately to work through it and not just chuck them all in the trash. Like during quarantine. <laughs> Oh, no, so I'm really not using them. Yeah. I'm just there um, something that you mentioned earlier, kind of what you just said brought me back to is it, I think something that stops a lot of people from kind of going this route is it can be very overwhelming. Um, and then it almost seems like, you know, you start judging yourself like, oh my God, I use something plastic, like shame on me. And you can't do that. You got to kind of try to find that balance. Definitely. I mean, you know, one, it's not on us necessarily as consumers. I mean, we can only buy from from what's out there. We can request better things. But I think, unfortunately, that the plastics industry did a really good job of like, well, you just need to recycle. You just need to not litter. Like, it's your fault that there's all this stuff out there. And, and that's not the reality. They kind of convinced all of us that everything should be disposable and everything should just get thrown away. And so, you know, it's great to see people pushing back on that, but you know, sometimes the only option is the plastic option. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. that's just it. And, and so you can't, you can't beat yourself up about that. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Uh, and sometimes the way our world is designed, the best option is a disposable option. So that's okay. And you know, you just you you don't avoid it where you can, and and keep looking for other solutions. But yeah, I mean, us beating ourselves up about it does not do anybody any good. You're right. Yeah, I'm sure I'll learn that more as I take this journey throughout the rest of the year, and probably throughout the rest of my life. <laughs> it is it is a lifetime journey, and I think the great thing too is is to be open to new things. I mean, you know, people have great ideas all the time. So sometimes something better is just down the road. And so if you're staying open to it and you're, you're always looking, you know, you never know what you're going to find. Yeah. Hey, Mark, before we kind of wrap up here, is there anybody else in the audience that has a question? Yeah, yeah Lindsay, well, thanks for hopping on today. So glad that we could connect on Instagram and be able to get connected and get you guys involved in the e-community. And maybe, you know, a couple years down the road, you'll be doing something new and you can hop back on again and give us an update. That sounds great, yes. And that just sounds like Wayne has lots of, of smart, interesting people to connect me with. So I'm excited yeah. about that. Yeah, good networking. Well, thanks again for your time. And Mark, if you don't mind, you can go ahead and take us out. Hey, everybody. I bet you enjoyed that immensely. That was one of our most amazing presentations here at the EAT community. Please look forward to our next podcast in the very near future. And we look forward to seeing you again on the Eat Community Podcast.